title of my message is, It's All or Nothing. What price are you willing to pay to follow Jesus today? You see, Jesus is either going to be Lord of all or he's not going to be Lord at all. And I really want you guys to focus on yourself and and think of the, the price, the cost that it's made for you to follow Jesus. Is he Lord of all? Because if he's only Lord of half, then he's not really Lord at all. Jesus came to die on the cross so that he could have all of us, everything that we have to offer. Too often people come into Christianity thinking, what's in it for me? What can I get out of it? You know, when will, when will all my problems go away? It's all about me, 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 I, I, I. When can I get to the top? And you will see that people who come to Jesus with that kind of mentality only last a short time. Now, why do you think that is? Well, Jesus didn't come to be our Santa Claus. He didn't come to be our fairy godmother. He didn't come to be our tooth fairy. He came to be our Savior, our King, our Lord, and our Master of all of us. When people come thinking of him as anything other than that, anything other than Lord, anything other than Savior, anything other than Master, they can't think of him as a genie in a bottle that you just rub the little bottle, make my little wish, and poof, everything will appear the way that I want it to. If people come thinking of Jesus any other way, they've missed the whole point. They don't get it. They don't really understand what it means to live for God, and they do not understand the God in whom they have chosen to serve. Paul said, I know whom I have chosen to serve. I I, I know whom I have chosen to serve. I have decided. I know who he is. I've made this decision. I've made a choice. This God, our God, the only God that you and I have chosen to serve, spoke the universe into existence. He put the sun, moon, and stars in their place. He created mankind from the dust of the earth. He knows the end from the beginning. He is the Alpha and Omega, bright and morning star, lily of the valley, king of kings and lord of lords. That is the God that we serve. He took our sins upon his back, was beaten and bruised for our transgressions, and by his stripes we are healed. He was born in a manger, lived among men, died upon a rugged cross, and three days later was raised from the dead, and will will soon come back riding on a horse with a trumpet call where we will all meet him in the air. I want to tell you today that it's all about him. It's all or nothing. It's not about you. It's not what you could get out of it. It's not about our American dream. It's not about all the wealth that we can acquire. Everything we own today is going to rot or one day end up being destroyed. The only thing that will count, the only thing that will matter in the scope of all of eternity is if you lived every single waking moment of your life for Jesus. Now, I don't want you to think that this message is going to be a doom and gloom, but it is a very serious message, and it is a message where every one of us are going to have to consider the cost. Every person that comes to Jesus, you have to measure, you have to weigh out the cost of following him because he tells us it's going to cost us something. There are people today being converted to Christianity, and they're not thinking about what they're going to get out of it. They're actually thinking about what they're going to lose. Because when you get converted from being a Muslim to a Christian, the price that you weigh of paying is your whole family disowning you. For a a young woman, let's just say today, who's a Muslim, for her to consider following Jesus, she's thinking of the cost. I'll lose my husband. My parents will disown me. My siblings will disown me. You have nothing. And there are people paying that cross all across the world today. Why? Because he's worth it. 
What price are you willing to pay? Jesus wants our everything. He doesn't want half of us. He wants all of us. Turn to your Bibles in Mark, the book of Mark, chapter 8, starting in verse 34. We're going to read through verse 38. So Mark 8, 34 through 38. Before I start reading it, I'll give you guys some time to get there. I want to introduce to you what's going on right here. In the beginning of chapter 8, Jesus is feeding 4,000 people, okay? So there's a large crowd following him. His disciples are with him. He just miraculously fed 4,000 out of seven loaves of bread. And then he leaves. He moves on from there, and he goes to Bethsaida. He heals a, a man from his blindness, and they travel on from there. And here we are in verse 34, and there's another crowd around him. So he's going to be speaking right now to a crowd and to his disciples. So he's going to call the crowd to him. Don't know if it's 4,000, maybe a little smaller, maybe there's more. But there's a crowd that he is speaking to that you can consider probably his followers. You know, they're moving around with him. They've seen him perform miracles, signs, and wonders. They've seen the show of what Jesus can do. And his disciples are with him. And he says this, starting in verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words... In this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So here Jesus is talking to the crowd. And you have to understand pretty much everybody that, that is there is Jew, is Jewish. So they're, they're used to their customs, their regulations, their laws. And Jesus is telling them, listen, if you're going to follow me, you're going to come under my covenant. If you want to come and follow me, this is what it's going to take. So he, he's presenting to them four conditions of what it's going to take for them to become followers of him. Now, for somebody to go from a Jewish religion to another religion, and for any religion in that matter, if you're going to convert over, you're, they were called proselytes. So those Jews at that time, they were wanting to follow Jesus' teaching. If you're going to leave the Jewish custom, you were called a proselyte. Today we just use the word convert. A proselyte is a person who has changed from one opinion, religious belief, to another. A new convert to a doctrine or religion. So he's talking to them. And he's saying, listen, if you're contemplating this, if you're following me around, you're watching what I'm doing, you're listening to my teachings, you're, you're seeing the signs and the wonders of the miracles, saying this to the crowd and to the, to the disciples, this is what it's going to take. These are four conditions. So in this passage of Scripture, it seems that Christ formed on the proselytism of the Jews the principal qualities which he required in the proselytes of his new covenant. So he's going to explain to them what it's going to take to follow him. So number one, you come willingly. He opens up and he says, if anyone would come after me. So the first thing that you got to do is you got to come willingly. The first condition of proselytism among the Jews was that anyone who came to embrace the teachings of Jesus should come voluntarily without any force. And that is the same for you and I today. It's not about convincing you to follow Jesus, trying to convince you that he's better than Buddha or he's better than Muhammad. No, you come voluntarily and you come willingly. 
if anyone would come after me, if, okay, if you want to, if you decide, if you choose this, that's the first condition, come. How many of you guys say they have come voluntarily, you have willingly come to Jesus? Nobody had to convince you. We didn't have to beg you because guess what? We're not here to beg anybody to follow Jesus. He is worthy to be followed. He is worthy of our life, sacrificed and surrendered unto him. So the first condition is you come willingly. And then he continues on. Number two, you deny yourself. The second condition required in the Jewish proselyte was that he should perfectly renounce all his prejudices, his errors, his idolatry, and everything that concerned his false religion, and that he should entirely separate himself from his most intimate friends and acquaintances. It was on this ground that the Jews called proselytism a new birth. So they understood at that time for them to come over to the teachings of Jesus, there would be things in their life that they would have to give up, that they would have to deny themselves of. So they knew that it would cost them friendships, it would cost them their false religion, they would have to separate themselves. And they knew that it was going to be a new birth. It was a new thing. And it's not different with us today. So think about yourself. How, how would this apply to you? How would this apply to you where, where Jesus is saying, come willingly, come voluntarily, but then you're going to have to deny yourself. For many of us, it will cost us friendships. It will cost us relationships. I was able to share my testimony with a youth group on Friday that for me it was a relationship that I had to leave behind to follow Jesus. But why don't we just stick with the obvious today? The Bible says that the deeds of the flesh are obvious. So Galatians 5.19 lists those deeds of the flesh. So if you want to follow Jesus today, you're coming willingly. These are the obvious things that you should do to deny yourself. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So let's just focus on the obvious deeds of the flesh. Are you denying yourself these things today? Because if you are not, you cannot call yourself a follower of Jesus. You cannot say, I am willingly living for God the way that he has told me. Because his second condition after you willingly coming to him is that you deny yourself. So if any of these obvious deeds are in your life, you need to make a choice today that you're going to get rid of the anger. You're going to get rid of the selfishness. You're going to get rid of the impurity. You're going to get rid of the jealousy. Why? Because Jesus says, deny yourself. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about him. And if you want to come on his agenda and if you want to do things his way, this is how you come. You come as you are, but you're going to change, though. See, a lot of times we, 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 we give people this image of Christianity. Just come as you are, you know, just Just come to my church on Sunday mornings. But listen, we have to tell people, if you're going to get in this thing, if you're really going to live for God, this is what it's going to take. It will cost you something. In one of the parables, Jesus says, if you're going to decide to build, weigh carefully if you have all the supplies, all the materials. Because once you start building and then you realize that you don't have all the materials, all the resources to finish the building, you're going to become a laughingstock. So before you start building, weigh the cost. 
Before you come to Jesus, weigh the cost. Don't stop halfway. Don't decide that you're going to backslide. Don't think that, hey, you know what? It's not working out for me. This Jesus thing, this Christianity thing, this church thing, this witnessing thing, this discipleship thing, this, uh, you know, I have to submit myself to you and be taught by you and I'm going to get rebuked. That's not really for me. No, weigh the cost now because you will deny yourself of your attitudes. Ephesians 5, 3 through 5, very similar passage of scripture. But among you, there must not even be a hint, not even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Neither should there be obscenity, foolish uh, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. The scripture is very clear that you do not have a place in heaven if you live like this. So you have to remember daily to deny yourself, daily to die to your fleshly wants and desires, because it's not about you, it's about Jesus. It's about him. Number three. He says to them, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. Instead of the Jews bearing the yoke of the law, of the Jewish regulations, Christ requires the condition of bearing his yoke and his cross, the taking up of which not only implies a bold profession of Christ crucified, but also a cheerful submitting, a cheerful submitting to all the sufferings and persecutions to which he might be exposed, and even to death itself. The cross is a symbol of suffering. And I want to be very careful in my definition of suffering today because I don't want you guys to think that, oh, I live in a one-bedroom apartment, I'm suffering for Jesus. Or I don't have a car, I have to come to church on my bike, I'm suffering for Jesus. That's not the kind of suffering I'm talking about. That's not the kind of suffering Jesus talks about. We're talking about suffering for the gospel. He says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But if you lose it on this earth, you'll save it. Lose it for what? Lose it for him. Lose it for the gospel. Taking up your cross means you're going to take up the sufferings of Jesus. You're going to take up the suffering of being persecuted for his name. The cross represents the crucifixion of Jesus. And I want to take some time to paint this uh, image of what a crucifixion was like in those times. It was an ancient method of painful execution. Death by crucifixion was particularly slow, excruciatingly painful, gruesome, and it was public. Are you willing to be humiliated for Jesus? Are you willing to pay that price? Because your family may ridicule you. Your coworkers may make fun of you on the job and call you a Jesus freak or a fanatic. See, while a crucifixion was an execution, it was also a humiliation by making the condemned as vulnerable as possible. Although artists have have depicted the figure on a cross with a loincloth or a covering of the genitals, criminals were generally hung nude. When the criminal had to urinate or defecate, they had to do so in the open, in the view of passers-by, resulting in discomfort and the traction of insects. Frequently, the legs of the person executed were broken or shattered with an iron club. Not a pretty picture of the cross, is it? 
What do you think about when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me? Jesus endured that kind of scorn, that kind of shame and pain and forgiveness for the sins of the world. He did it so that we can be forgiven. He took our payment upon him. That was the cross he carried. Now the cross that he wants us to carry is, are you willing to suffer for me? Are you willing to undergo the persecution? See, I don't want you to get confused when it comes to sicknesses and diseases and and losing loved ones because I think oftentimes we confuse suffering with the sicknesses and the sorrows. Jesus took that on the cross. All of our sicknesses, all of our diseases, he says, by his stripes we are healed. We are free. He's given us joy in this world. He's given us hope. He did die so that we can live abundantly on this earth. But he did say that we would have troubles on this earth. So through those troubles, he promises that he's going to take us by the hand and he's going to walk us through. If you lose a loved one, it's not Jesus inflicting death upon you. It's life. Sin entered the world. We all die. If we're going to experience sickness, it's because of sin. It's not because Jesus is giving it to you. It will cause you suffering. You will suffer through that. But in the midst of that, Jesus promises hope and peace and joy and healing. So I want you to be very careful with what you think about carrying the cross. What I'm preaching to you today is you carry the cross of persecution for the gospel. Are you willing to die? Am I willing to die? And we don't have to go to Pakistan And we don't have to go to Nigeria and experience persecution because you know what? It's happening right here on our doorstep. Nowadays, you don't have to leave America to feel like you're going to be martyred for Jesus. It happens right here in our cities. Just this week, Joe read a story on the Internet, on the news. There was two people, I think it was two males, they were witnessing on the street, and the people, you know, the, the news is very clear. You know, they were telling somebody about God. And the guy that they were witnessing to had a phone call. So he answers his phone, and he tells them, hey, I got to go. I got to leave. He ends up coming back with a gun and shoots both of them. Yes, I, and I don't know what city it was in. I could get the details for you. That happened this week. Months ago, this just this past year, maybe six months ago, there was two older men that they would always preach in front of, a, of an abortion clinic. They'd always, they'd always tell people about Jesus and, and tell people, hey, don't go in there. You know, it's, it's sin to do that. Don't, don't kill innocent babies. They got shot and killed because they did that. Yes, in America, it's happening. The past few years, we've heard stories of just people randomly going into churches, thousand, you know, thousand plus church, church members church, and just shooting Are you ready to die for the gospel? What is it going to cost you? Yes, it will cost us relationships. Yes, it will cost us these things. There are things in our life that we will have to deny ourselves, our fleshly desires. But when you talk about carrying your cross, it's the cross of persecution. It's the cross of suffering for Jesus' name. That you won't deny him. That you won't renounce him. That you won't be ashamed of him in front of man. Because if you are, the Bible says he will be ashamed of you in heaven. So it is true that he dies so we can live, but he was talking about an eternal life. He dies so that we wouldn't have to go to hell. But while we are on this earth, he tells us that the cross, he tells us that there is a cross that we will all carry. We will be persecuted for our faith. Are you ready for that? Young people, are you ready for that? Do you guys remember Columbine? 
there was about two or three young people that just went in and started shooting. You don't understand. See, those people specifically targeted the Christian teenagers. They knew exactly who they were going after. Rachel Lee Scott was one of the uh, young ladies that was killed in her high school underneath a cafeteria table. And the story goes that one of the gunmen came up to her and said, do you believe in Jesus? She said, yes. And the next thing that happened was she was shot in the head. Are you ready to experience that in your high schools? On the streets when you preach the gospel, Belmont and Clark, Wicker Park, any projects that you go to, Wright College, just this week, shootout at a college in Alabama University, three dead. I don't know what, what the other update was on that. And they, that probably didn't have anything to do with Jesus, but are you ready to go for the gospel? Even Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. So we come to him willingly. We deny ourselves because it's not about us. We live holy. We live pure. We live the way God has called us to live. The Bible says you cannot love him unless you follow his commands. You loving God, you proving your love for God is that you're going to follow his commands. So deny yourself. Then you've got to take up your cross and you've got to be willing to be persecuted, humiliated, embarrassed because he's worth it. Nobody needs to convince us. Nobody needs to take us by the hand and tell us how he's better than so-and-so, how he's better than that religion and he's better than this religion. No, God, the almighty God, Jesus, will outlast and outshine any other false god that we could ever make up in our own head. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he is worthy of our life and is, he is worthy of our death. I want to talk to you about some people in the Bible that you probably know. You probably don't even know how they ended up, though. We read about them in the book of Acts, but the book of Acts doesn't end purposefully. The book of Acts doesn't close out with telling us what happened to so-and-so and what happened to so-and-so. It actually kind of comes to a conclusion in the sense where it continues with us. But what happened to some of these people? Matthias was the one chosen to take the place of Judas. If you guys remember, Judas betrayed Jesus, and then he basically commits suicide. He fell, you know, his, his intestines spilled out. Now the 11 disciples are like, hey, we got to have somebody take his place. Matthias was chosen in 70 A.D. when he refused to deny Jesus and the power of his resurrection, was hung on a cross and stoned. When this did not kill him, he was brought down and beheaded. Barnabas. Barnabas was a disciple who brought Saul to the rest of the apostles. In 64 AD, after being falsely accused of a crime, he was thrown into prison. When the time came to see the judge, fearing he would be found innocent, a mob led by his adversary raided the jail, put a rope around his neck, dragged him outside the city, and burned him. John Mark, who traveled with Barnabas and the Apostle Paul in 64 AD, the same year that Barnabas was martyred, was preaching a sermon on remembering Jesus' suffering on the cross and the resurrection from the dead. A crowd stormed into the church, tied him up with a rope, jabbed him with hooks, and dragged his body through the streets of the town and out of the city. There was not one place on Mark's body where blood did not flow. 
Timothy, one of Paul's disciples, appointed as an elder over the church of Ephesus in 98 AD, was telling the Ephesians not to worship or sacrifice to a statue made with human hands. A priest came forward and said, leave us alone, old man. We will do as we please. Timothy continued to preach to the crowd and and infuriated the priest who then began to shout, kill him, kill him. He does not deserve to live. The crowd kicked him to the side of the road after being pounded with sticks and rocks. Timothy died of the bruises and injuries two days later. Luke, he wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts in 93 AD. He so upset the world of the idolatrous priests with his teachings that they incited a mob against him and took him to an olive grove where he was hanged on an olive tree. He was 84 years old when he died. You see, the Bible you hold in your hands today was at the, at the price of many, many souls. Many people burned at the stake for the gospel that we hold now in our hand. The Gutenberg Press printed the first literary books of the Bible that we could actually read because the Bible was only allowed to be in the church. In the Catholic Church, it was actually chained to the pulpit. Christianity has endured the generations. Christianity has endured to where we are today because people died for the gospel. We wouldn't be where we are today without our forerunners that have gone before us. The reason why Christianity has come so far is because lives were given up for its freedom. It didn't come with with a prosperity message. Christianity hasn't endured through the ages because we promised everybody that they could get rich quick. Christianity has endured. Persecution always comes before the expansion of the church. Persecution has always been in our generation. Let us not think that we are any different today. All over the world today, people are being martyred for the sake of the gospel. We have up there in the back a map to pray for the persecuted churches of the nations. Just because we don't see it every day in front of us. See, we have the freedom here in America, and so sometimes we get blinded to what the price of the gospel really is. But I think we need to wake up as a church in America today and really figure out and understand and realize what it's going to take for us to see our nation fall to their knees. What is it going to take for America to serve God again? Are you willing to give up your life so that your high school comes to Jesus? Are you willing to give up your life so that your family knows Jesus? What if it took our death for revival to come to Chicago? If you guys could all stand up to your feet. The fourth condition that Jesus gave to the Jews at that time and the fourth one that he gives to us is follow Jesus. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Will you follow Jesus today? Understanding the price that it's going to cost you. Understanding what you're really going to have to give up. You can't live for yourself. You can't think about what it's going to um, amount, you know, what it's going to give to you. But the price, the cost of the persecution. Continue in his teachings, even if it costs all you have. Will you give your life for him? Are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to be humiliated? Are you willing to die because you believe in Jesus? If you guys could just all make your way up to the altar. 
I think this is a message where we can all say, Lord, help me, Jesus. I want to be willing to die for you. If it costs me my life, whatever it costs me, I'm willing to give it. If you guys could just all close your eyes and bow your heads all across this place. Think about how you willingly and voluntarily came to the Lord. And if you haven't denied yourself certain things, I want you to take some time out and say, Lord, I'm going to give that up. And if you have denied yourself and you have made progress in in pursuing God and, and leaving the filth of the world aside, I want you to think to yourself, would you pay the price of giving your life? Are you okay with being persecuted on the job? Are you okay with sitting alone in the lunchroom because people don't want to hear about Jesus anymore? Are you okay street witnessing the city of Chicago and losing your life? What if God called you to go to Africa? What if he did call you to go to China? See, all of us have to get to a place where we are not holding on to this life so much that we're afraid to lose it. Because he says if we hold on to it, we will lose it in the end. If you hold on to your life on this earth, it's gone. Eternally, it'll be gone. But if you give up your life on this earth, you will truly find life. And that's when you'll really live forever. Are you willing to continue in his teachings, to walk in conviction? Andrew, if you could just put up that song. I want you guys to just go after God. Because we need him. We need Jesus. Lord, come and rescue us. We want to follow you. Whatever it costs to see Chicago come to their knees. Whatever it costs for our generation to know you. We're not exempt from suffering for the gospel. We're not exempt, oh God, from being humiliated. From becoming a laughing stock to our family. There is no other name by which we can be saved. You have the words of eternal life. We will follow you. You make a declaration today that you're going to follow God no matter what it costs you. It's all or nothing today. Don't come with half of your heart. He wants everything. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Do not deceive yourself today. It will cost you your life. It will cost us our life. You will be persecuted. Jesus. We need you today, oh God. We need you today. I'm going to leave this microphone right up here. And I want some people with some boldness, with some unction, with some fervor, with some passion for God to come and grab this mic. And then when you're done, to put it gently back on the stand. But I want you guys to say, you know what? Jesus, I give everything. I want you to come and grab this mic and talk to God. And encourage everybody in here and talk about the price that you're willing to give. Jesus.